loved ones, why don't you go ahead and grab a seat? Um, right now, I have the privilege of introducing to you uh, the man who will be bringing us God's word tonight, and I am so thankful for this, because tonight we start our Christmas series, a two-part series entitled, very timely, He, that is Jesus Christ, shall reign. Jesus Christ shall reign. And so tonight it kicks off in Luke chapter 1 with the Messiah is promised. And then next week, Lord willing, on Christmas Eve, we will finish the series from Luke chapter 2 entitled The Messiah is Given. The Messiah is, is Given. And right now, um, Kevin Austin is going to be coming up to bring God's word to us. For those of you who may not know him, uh, Kevin is an elder here at Hope Bible Church, Ottawa, and it has been a joy of mine to strive side by side with him over the last six years of ministry since Hope Bible Church, Ottawa was planted. And so we praise the Lord for his work, and it's a real joy for me as a senior pastor to see other men and women equipped and trained to handle and to teach God's word, and here to see men come forward and proclaim God's word to his people. So let me pray, and then Kevin will be joining us up here. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you. We thank you that you cannot be stopped. We thank you that you are sovereign. And this whole story of Christmas is a declaration of your sovereignty. Snowstorms can't stop you from building your church. They may stop traffic. Pandemics cannot stop you from building your church. They may keep us inside more or limit gatherings, but they cannot stop the building of your church. Jesus Christ, why? Because you are reigning. And there will be no end to your reign. And so we thank you that we put our trust and hope in you alone and you are unchanging. And so, Jesus Christ, do what you've promised to do tonight. Build your church. As your word goes forth, let it not come back void. And Lord, as you say in Jeremiah 1, watch over your word to perform it tonight. We pray for Kevin as he comes up, that God, you would fill him with your understanding, your unction, and your utterance for the glory of your name. Guard his mouth from error and say what you want to say to those here gathered in person and the many watching online. May it be so, Lord. Come and have your way. Jesus, build your church. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may come on up, Kev. Well, good evening, church. Uh, I, am, I am both humbled and, uh, and blessed to have the privilege uh, and, and really the joy to be able to open God's word with you tonight. <clears throat> we'll be in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. And, and while you turn there, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, what do you think about when you think of Christmas? Right? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it is it the, the decorations, the lights? Is it shopping? Is it food, good food with maybe family and, and some holidays? These are all really nice things, nice things to think about. But what about Jesus? If we're honest, if we're truly honest, is Jesus the first thing that comes to our mind? And who is Jesus? Who do you say that he is? 
See, here's why this is important. There's no Christmas without Jesus. Jesus is the center of it. Jesus is what it is all about. Jesus Christ is our God-given, God-promised Messiah. Now let's see what scripture says about the Messiah. Let's see what scripture attests to about him. Right? We're going to look at it from a prophecy from Isaiah. This was spoken about 740 years before the events we're going to look at today. Let's read. It'll be on the screen. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, everyone's looking for a savior. Everyone is looking for a savior that will bring peace, hope, justice, Everyone is looking, but the problem is everyone, including you and I, we're, we're looking to things that can never save us or deliver us. Instead of running to the true Messiah, we run to, to money, we run to food, to possessions, to positions of power, we run to health. Right? We only need to look at the last 21 months to see how, how putting our hope in health has gone for us. It, it hasn't gone well. Instead of peace, we live in fear. Instead of hope, we live in despair. Instead of justice, we're living with discrimination. Instead of righteousness, we're living with selfishness. See, this is, this is why this text is so important for us tonight. This is why it's so important, because it emphasizes this truth. Because Jesus is the promised Messiah, we must believe in him. Because Jesus is the promised Messiah, we must believe in him. Now let's get some context on our passage today. It's from the Gospel of Luke. And see, Luke, Luke was a disciple, a disciple of Paul. He was a detailed historian. He was a close companion of the Apostle Paul. This is a very complete chronology. The book of Luke is a really, really complete, chronological ordered gospel from, from the foretelling about Jesus, which we're going to be reading about tonight, to the announcement that he has come all the way through his life, his ministry, his works, all the way to his death and his resurrection. It's a very complete chronology. And, and you see, Luke, he was a well-educated physician, Right? He was a doctor. He knew all about births and about babies. So we can especially trust his, his rendition, his retelling of this story tonight. He knew all about births and babies. So we can trust that. We can trust that. And here in this text, we're going to see two major truths that we need to believe in order to declare who Jesus is and what our response to him must be if we're to have life in his name Let's turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, and let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thanks for reading along with me, everyone. I appreciate that. Let's pray. Lord, you are holy, and we thank you for your holy word that we were just able to read together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illuminate your truth tonight, that you would illuminate it in our hearts. Lord, guard my mouth from error and help us to see the beauty of Christ, our Messiah, our risen Savior who came to earth as a baby to live and to die for us. Lord, I pray that you would change hearts tonight by, by the power of your word and the truth, Lord, of your love for us. And so it's in your name that I pray these things. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is our promised Savior, and the first truth that we need to hear from his word today, the first truth we need to see is this, do not fear, he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. See, Jesus is the Messiah. He's fully God, fully man, and reigning forever. This is the question, will you live by fear, or will you live by faith in him? Let's go back to God's word. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Right? So the sixth month, that's not, you know, January, February, March, April, May. That's not June. Right? It's not June. It's the sixth month of, in context, we know that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth, in their old age, have become pregnant. Right? Elizabeth has become pregnant, and she's going to bear a son. That's going to be John the Baptist. Right? And so the sixth month is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, right? And, and we see here the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Our God is an initiator, right? Our God initiates his plans. They don't just happen. He brings them to pass because he is sovereign. He is sovereign. And the angel of Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So you're going to see on a map there, Galilee is the northern part of Israel. It's up in the north. And Nazareth 
right? Nazareth is this, this town right in the middle of pretty much nowhere. This isn't, this isn't the place where, this isn't Muskoka where, you know, the, where people have their cottages. It's not, this isn't the Laurentians where you go to hang out in your chalet. This, this place has a bad reputation, right? This place has a pretty bad reputation. It is, it's pretty much the armpit of Israel. And I mean, having never been there myself, I have, I have firsthand accounts that it still is pretty much that way, except there's a KFC there now. And I looked on Google Maps, there's actually a shawarma place. So being from Ottawa, I do appreciate that. That hits close to my heart. But listen, nobody is expecting anything good to come from here, right? Nobody's expecting anything good to come from here. We don't have an equivalent in Ontario because it's beautiful here. <laughs> Possibly. Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So virgin here means literally she knew no man, right? This is a critical truth. We're going to see this later, why this is such a critical truth, that she, she was a virgin. This is a virgin birth, right? And we're here when it says betrothed to a man, right? Betrothed in this day means married other than living together right? Other than living together, they were considered married, right? This was like a courtship period before they would live together, but for all other purposes, they were married. It required divorce, right? It required a divorce to break off, right? And from the house of David, we see that Joseph is from the house of David. This is a kingly line, right? This is, this is the fulfillment right? Joseph didn't have status. It's not that, oh, well, I am from, I'm, I'm from the line of David. He's, he, it's not like he had much status, but still, this was a fulfillment of a promise made to David hundreds of years earlier, right, that the Messiah would come from his line, right? He was the greatest king in Israel's history. We read here, the virgin's name was Mary. Now, Mary was a young teen, right? A young teen, she was poor, she was humble. She had no status, right? And what little status she was about to get in society, being married, right, was about to be maybe taken from her, right? She had no status, and it was all about to be put on the line. She didn't earn God's favor. She had nothing to offer, right? In the world's eyes, she had nothing to offer. Let's read verse 28. But the angel came. He said to her, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. A favored one here means the one whose God's grace is upon. It doesn't mean that she earned God's grace. It doesn't mean, oh, one who has earned God's favor. It means you are favored by God. The Lord is with you. This is the presence and intimacy of God. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled. This is important. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this would be. What sort of greeting is this? Greatly troubled here, this phrase, it, it means agitate greatly. It means she was fearful. She was going back and forth in her mind between emotions and inner thoughts, right? She, she was greatly troubled. When she says, you know, what sort of meaning is this? She's not saying, oh, okay, this is a very interesting meaning. What, what meaning could this be? She's saying, what in the world is going on here? Right? That's what she's saying. What in the world is going on here? Now live in this text. Put yourself in this text here. Right? How are you feeling if you were Mary? 
I mean, how are you feeling if you're married? An angel has just appeared to you, told you that you're highly favored by God, right? Are you feeling prideful? Like, yeah, yeah, of course I am. Or maybe you're feeling accomplished. Like, yeah, well, I've, I've been pretty good. Maybe I've earned this, right? Are you, feeling, are you feeling intimidated? Like, you know, you could think rightly, who am I to be favored by God, right? Are you feeling doubtful? Like, this, this probably isn't happening, right? This is Mary's response. Fear. Her response is fear, right? You see, God knows the heart, and he's already prepared his message with the exact truth that Mary needs to hear, right? This is the first command that we see in this text. Gabriel tells her, do not fear. Do not fear. Verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. God is gracious and his grace is upon you. Verse 31 leads us into our first point tonight. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Right? Look at your, look at your scripture here. Look at your Bibles. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. So behold here, in this, in this, whenever you see that in scripture, it means behold. It, it means pay attention, right? It means look at this. You will conceive. This is a promise from God. You will conceive a son. It's a lowercase s in this text, right? It means a human son. You will conceive a son, right? A boy. You shall call his name Jesus. That's our second command. Call him Jesus. His name right here is exclusive. There is one, one Savior, Jesus. We see this in Acts 4.12. It says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name in the heaven and earth given among men by which we must be saved. So we see here there are three truths, three truths we're going to lay out that we must believe about Jesus if we're to truly believe in him. The first of these three truths, number one, he is fully man. That's that lowercase s. You will conceive and bear a son. He is fully man. So from the very moment that the Holy Spirit caused Mary to conceive, Jesus' divinity was inseparably and permanently joined to his humanity. See, Jesus didn't simply appear to be human. He didn't take on just sort of a few human attributes, right? He didn't just take on the look of a human or appear to us as a human, right? He was and is forever both fully God and fully man. So, so why is this important? Why, what does it mean to us? See, this is exciting because it's really important and we're going to hear the gospel, just the simple truth of the gospel, like five different times, five different ways tonight. And I'm very excited about that. Why is this important? It's important because number one, his humanity gives us an example. It gives us an example of what our humanity would be without sin. Right? The problem with humanity isn't that it's inherently bad. Humanity isn't inherently bad. Otherwise, God couldn't have, in Genesis, right, at the end of, create, at the end of all creating, he wouldn't have looked upon it and called it good, right? He couldn't have looked upon it and called it good if humanity was inherently bad. No, the problem is sin, right? The problem is that we're 
fallen as a result of sin. Sin is the problem, and the consequence of sin is what Jesus came to save us from. So number one, his humility, or his humanity gives us an example. Number two, his obedience is our righteousness. See, his obedience to God during his human life can be representative for us all. See, because he was tempted with human temptations just like we face, just like he was tempted like we face, his perfect obedience can take the place of our disobedience. Right? He obeyed perfectly, and it can take the place of our disobedience. His obedience can be our righteousness. You see, he, he, he cried at a baby. We're not talking about, about a way in the manger, no crying he made. No, he was a human son, a human baby. He got tired, right? He got hungry. We see that in, in many places in Scripture. Jesus got hungry. Like, he was a carpenter. He was a carpenter for, for like, you know, I mean, he lived with a carpenter for 30 years, so we can assume that a good chunk of that time he was a carpenter. Anyone here do any woodwork? Have you ever, ever maybe once got a sliver or 50 times? A cut, a scratch? Yeah, he probably banged his thumb too, right? He, he was a human who experienced human emotions, yet without sin. Right? That's the important part, without sin. So his humanity gives us an example. His obedience is our righteousness. His sacrifice is our forgiveness. Right? His humanity means that he can be a perfect substitutionary sacrifice in our place. So now kids, you can look up here for a second. Substitutionary sacrifice is a tongue twister. I can't say it any more times than that fast, right? What does that actually mean? Right? That Jesus was our sacrifice. It means Jesus in our place, right? It means Jesus taking my place. It doesn't mean making me perfect. It means he's perfect and he takes my place, right? So this is the absolute critical piece right here, critical piece right here to understand our salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, he came to earth. He lived a sinless life in perfect obedience to God. This means he's the only human not to deserve death for sin, right? He didn't deserve death for sin, but yet on the cross, he took our sin and he died to satisfy the just penalty for it so that we can be forgiven. He is perfectly sinless and therefore perfectly innocent, but in his love for us, he laid down his life anyway to take on our guilt, right? And the righteous wrath of God for that guilt to pay the price we owed and could never pay. And you see, Listen, if we believe in him, he freely extends that to us. To every single one of you, he freely extends that to you. His humility gives us an example. His obedience is our righteousness. His sacrifice is our forgiveness. And this is the beautiful thing, the most beautiful thing here about our God. His humanity means that he can sympathize with us in our weakness. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but one who in every respect, every respect has been tempted as we are. Every way we've been tempted, he has been tempted similarly. He has been tempted in every respect, yet without sin. So let us with confidence then, this is our hope here, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace and help in times of need. Loved ones, we can 
boldly approach, in bold humility, we can approach the throne of God because he loves us. He gives grace to us and he sympathizes with us in our weakness. He is fully man, but we also see, when you go back to the text, verse 32, don't miss this, okay? Don't miss this. Verse 32, we also see he is fully God. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be. This is exclusive, right? This is only Jesus, right? He will be great. The, the Greek word here for great is megos. It's where we get the word mega from, right? So, so he's not just like pretty great, okay? Kids, can you say with me, mega great? Mega great. God is mega great, right? He is perfectly great, perfectly great in the widest sense. This is a promise, the promise of the status and of the power of Jesus. And you see here, just like we said before, where son was lowercase, a human son, here, son is a uppercase S, a capital S, the son of God. This is the proper name and proper position of Jesus. This is his deity. We, say, we see not only a son, but son of the most high. This is the name of God. We see this all throughout scripture, all the way back to Genesis 14, right? Where the term used for God is God most high, God above all else. So skip ahead for, for a moment with me to verse 35. We're going to just see a glimpse, a little glimpse of how God is going to do this, right? Of how God is going to do this. Verse 35 and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Right? This is how God is going to bring about this promise, divine conception. This is why we talked about Mary, a virgin, so critical, divine conception, See, Holy Spirit here, that's, that's fully God, right? The third person in the Trinity will come upon you. This doesn't mean overcome, right? It doesn't mean take over. What it means is literally it means to operate within as one, right? To operate within as one, to overshadow, to envelop, to bring his plan to pass. And we see here he will be called holy. That is the nature of Jesus, set apart and sacred, Right? You see, being conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus was distinct. He was holy. He was set apart. He was distinct in that he was born without sin. You see, you and I are born into a sinful and fallen world. We're born into sin. We are corrupted by sin from the beginning of our lives. This is often referred to as original sin, right? It separates us from God from the start, and it will condemn us to hell if it's not atoned for. It will right? It will, if not atoned for. Not only was Jesus fully man, but he was fully sinless in every respect, and fully God, the only one who could atone for our sin. See, now at conception, Jesus became human, but he didn't become God, right? His humanity had a divine beginning, a divinely planned purpose, but his deity had no beginning, right? Jesus is fully God, creator of 
all things. Part of the Trinity, right? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God and eternally and uniquely existing, perfectly united, but in three persons, right? As we see all throughout Scripture, we see it really succinctly laid out in, in the beginning of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. In the beginning was the Word. There's a capital W, right? The capital W. This is the right name and position of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is the bit right here that's indisputable. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Anything that was made, it was made by him. He wasn't made, he was. Everything else that was made, he made it. There's nothing, nothing made aside from what Christ has done. You see, he didn't become God. He didn't, he didn't come to earth and then earn Godship. He didn't earn deity. No, he didn't become God, but being God, instead of this view we have of a, a humanity earning that's not possible, being God already, this is how God operates. His ways are not our ways. His ways are perfect. Being God, he lovingly and humbly lowered himself taking on human form so that we might see him and know him. You see, Christ, in Christ Jesus, we have seen God. We have seen God in Christ Jesus, right? Through scripture, we can read, we can know his perfect example of character, and through the Holy Spirit illuminating scripture to us, we can believe in him. We can follow his example of holiness. We can follow it for life that is abundant in love and grace and humility and in truth. In him, we can find redemption and forgiveness. We can find forgiveness from sin. We can find freedom from captivity. In him, we can find life forever in his presence. See, this is why verse 32 doesn't tell us he will become great, right? It doesn't say he'll, he'll become great. Look at your Bible. Look what it says in verse 32. It says, he will be great, the son of the most high. Let's read verse 32b. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Will give to him this throne. This is a promise. This is a promise from God. This is the next promise we see here, the reign of Jesus. He is king, fully God, fully man. And now we see the third truth here. He is reigning forever. Verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. See, the house of Jacob here, what does that mean? That means, that means king of Israel. That's what it means, right? But in a wider sense, in context, it means over all, right? As we see, of his kingdom, there will be no end. No end to it in time, yes, but no end in extent. No end in influence. No end in its growth. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. End. You see, Jesus cannot be defeated, right? He can't be defeated. He can't be stopped. He will advance and establish his kingdom. No, no new COVID lockdown, no government regulations, right? No war, prejudice, racism, hate. Nothing will hinder him. Nothing will hinder him. In him is life. He is the light that shines in the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. You see, every sin, 
every anxiety is from unbelief. We need to believe moment by moment. See, the world says, what if I lose my job? What if there's another COVID variant or a lockdown? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? The world is gripped by fear and only Jesus can deliver you from fear because only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can save you. So I want to ask you, what's, what's that thing that you're fearing right now? What's that thing that's making you anxious right now? Think about it. Take a moment. Write it down. Have it on your mind. Loved ones, I want you to look up here. I want to tell you the truth about that. Whatever it is you've got there, whatever's on your mind, Jesus has overcome it. Jesus has overcome that. Whatever that fear, whatever that anxiety is, Jesus has overcome it. Why is that? Because he's the Messiah. He is fully God, fully man. He is reigning forever. Now, will you live by fear or will you live by faith? Will you live by faith in him? See, as we see from our text in this humble teenager, Mary, she's poor, she's young, she's overlooked by, in, in man's eyes, she's overlooked. She has nothing to offer in the world's eyes. But we see nobody is too low on the social ladder. Nobody's too far gone that they're beyond the reach of God. They're beyond the use by God. See, the Messiah has come to rid you of fear. If you are a child of God, if you believe in him, you have no reason to fear because you're secure in him. You have a purpose in him. And in him, you have the power to do that purpose. It's not even your own power. He gives you the purpose. He gives you the power to do it, to watch him work powerfully and to glorify him. See, Jesus has not come to condemn you. He's come to save you. Do not fear. He is the Messiah. So if you're to live in, in peace, in hope, in the security of eternal life that he offers you today, you must, number one, not fear. He is the Messiah. Number two, humble yourself and believe in him. See, nothing is impossible for God. Will you humble yourself and believe in him? Now, what does it mean? What does it mean to humble yourself? What does that mean? See, the first way we, we see to humble ourselves right from our text is humble ourselves in faith. Verse 34 to 37. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. See here, she sounds like a lot like Zechariah back in verse 18. You see, we can read that here. Verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. Here come the excuses, right? Why this isn't possible. For I am an old man and my wife is 
advanced in years. He's being very gracious there. Advanced in years, right? There's, there's an important difference here. Zechariah is asking in unbelief, stating all the reasons why it wouldn't happen. He's asking in unbelief, but Mary was asking from belief, right? Mary was asking from faith in God. When Zechariah asks in unbelief for a sign to prove what would happen, the angel rebukes him, right? The angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And the sign to Zechariah ultimately was that he would be mute. He wouldn't be able to speak until his son, which is John, John the Baptist, he was told to call him John. He wouldn't be able to speak until that became an important phrase to say, call him John, Right? That was the sign. When Mary asks from a position of belief in faith for an explanation, the angel reveals the plans of God to her. The angel reveals the plans, the ways of God. See, furthermore, in verse 36, the angel even gives her a testimony of what God has already done to bolster her faith. Right? He says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Right? So relative here, your relative Elizabeth, probably a cousin, but because of the age difference, we're, you know, we're not 100% sure, but we know she was very close kin. Right? But, but an old age, we don't even know how old, but certainly she was, as Zachariah said, advanced in years. She was elderly. Right? And barren here, the, the Greek word is stiera. It, mean, it means sterile, unable to conceive, right? And then Gabriel hits her with this climactic statement. Why is this going to happen? Here we have, don't fear, it's going to. Here's how it's going to. And this is, this is why it's going to. Because nothing will be impossible with God. Where do you need to believe this today? Where in your life do you need to believe this today, that nothing is impossible with God? See, as her response in faith reveals, Mary believed this. She believed this, and look what happened to her. Her heart has now moved from the fear that was in verse 29, right? We saw fear in verse 29 to faith in God's plan, right? God has moved her from fear to faith, right? If you're afraid, you're not going to live in faith. If you're afraid, you're not going to live in faith. You see, fear is pride. Fear is pride in your own strength, your own way, your own ability to get through a situation. But faith, faith in humility is the right recognition and the posture of dependence on God. Right? You see what the angel has done here? You see what Gabriel has done here? We're a, we're a church that believes firmly in biblical counseling. We believe in counseling each other from the word of God. Right? But this is, this is a whole other level than we've ever done. This is angelic soul care. Right? Here Gabriel has addressed the heart issue of fear and counseled Mary in faith, in dependence on God, speaking God's promises to her and God's promise replacing her pride of fear in her way. Now, it's one thing to say, I believe. It's another thing to demonstrate it, right? This, this brings us to our last point for today. 
See, Mary's response is an example of true discipleship in submission to God's word and to his promise. See, Jesus is our promised savior. Humble yourself and believe in him, number one, in faith. And finally for today, number two, in obedience. Humble yourself in obedience. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, this is her response here, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, so she's going to have a baby, right? Where's, where's, the hu- where's the big obedience in this, right? Babies are great. We have, we have new babies here with us tonight. We have a lot of new babies in our church. Praise God for that, right? Babies are great. We see, this isn't a simple matter at all for Mary. As we touched on a little earlier, she's being asked to bear a child as a virgin without being married, right? She's not married yet. Remember from before, she's poor. She has no status, right? She has no ability to support herself. She, she, what little status in society she was about to get, what little protection, worldly speaking, she was about to get being married would apart from a work of God be taken away from her, right? You see, the law in those days would have seen her accused of adultery. Just divorce from Joseph would have been her best case scenario and, and still would have left her with nothing. No way to provide for herself, right? No no way to provide for this child to be born, much less, right? Outcast from her community, but most likely the punishment would have been, would have been worse, even death by stoning. That was the punishment. See, standing up for God and his will has a cost, but Mary has counted that cost, and in obedience, she's all in. She's embraced the promise and purpose of God without reserve, and without regard for its cost to her personally, right? Let it be to me according to your word. She's saying, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. See, God will always draw near to the humble. Where do you need to surrender your way to him and say, whatever you want, Lord, right? God will always, always oppose the proud, actively oppose the proud, but he will give grace to the humble, So what does that mean for us? See, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then first, the first thing, I am so glad you're here. If you're watching online, I am so glad that you're watching. I wish you were right here, but I'm so glad that you're here. You're not here by accident. You're here by the perfect plan and perfect will of God. See, his word for you today, his word is stop running. Do not fear. Jesus is the Messiah. It's so clear from our text. You must humble yourself and believe in him. This is the question of Christmas. Will you believe in Jesus for salvation? This is the question of Christmas. Will you believe in him? God is calling you to repent of your sin, to turn from it, to believe in faith that Jesus Christ is, is your savior, your only hope for salvation. That he was born of the Virgin Mary, he lived and died as a perfect sacrifice for your sin. He was raised up and is now seated at the right hand of God. He loves you and he cares for you. And forgiveness and salvation is offered freely, freely to all who would humble themselves and believe. Will you come to him today saying, Jesus, I need you. 
you come to him today saying, Jesus, I need you. See, brothers and sisters who have made that decision, who, who have, have called on the Lord as their Lord, their Savior, our scripture tonight is asking, are you living in fear or are you living by faith? With everything going on in the world around you, are you believing, are you believing in and you're standing firm on the word of God? Are you believing even when you can't see how, even when you can't see the way, even when your life looks like a complete train wreck, where do you need to say, Lord, let it be to me according to your word? In your personal life, in your marriage, in your parenting, your frustrations, where do you need to say in your relationships, not my will, God, but yours be done? See, I want to encourage you you with this. Even today, God is still working. Even today, God is still working. He will do everything that he has promised for salvation, for building his church, right? He will do everything he's promised. How will you respond to Jesus? Who will you say that Jesus is? Let's pray. Lord God, you are holy You are set apart. You are the son of God most high. Lord, you are great and you are greatly to be praised. We've seen tonight, you are fully man, fully God, reigning forever. You are the hope for our salvation. Lord, this Christmas, I pray that we would see you as beautiful, that we would see you as you are, our light, in the darkness. I pray that, Lord, we would surrender and we would say, let it be to me, Lord, according to your word. Lord, I pray that your word would go out and I know when it goes out, it does not return void. I pray, Lord, that you would change hearts this Christmas. I pray that you would give all of us so many opportunities to show, Lord, your beauty Lord, the light, the hope that we have, Lord, to all those that we would meet, that we would encounter, and Lord, that you would work powerfully. Lord, you are still working. You will build your kingdom. You will bring those who you have called to salvation. I pray, Lord, that we would say that you are our Savior. In your name, amen.